the way in which people go about securing software because um, the research that's done by practitioners throughout the world in OWASP is, uh, you know, ultimately the reason why something like DevSecOps um, can exist. Welcome to OWASP 24-7, sponsored by the Open Web Application Security Project, improving the security of software. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide. This is Mark Miller, executive producer of OWASP 24-7 and co-host of DevSecOps Days at RSAC 2018. Shannon Leitz, Caroline Wong, and Paula Thrasher will give the opening remarks at DevOps Connect DevOps Days on April 16th at the RSAC conference in San Francisco. On today's show, I talk with Shannon, Caroline, and Paula on what they hope to accomplish during their talk and why DevSecOps is becoming the hottest topic in this year's growth of the DevOps community. Uh, Shannon, I want to start with you and talk about, in general, you and I have worked together a lot in the past, and it was logical to come to you and say, let's have a killer opening session at RSAC this year. What have you got planned to kick this thing off? You know, it's it's been interesting and an interesting journey over the last few years just to see this thing go from zero to what it is today. And so we've got some really um, awesome stuff planned, you know, really exposing more of a maturity model, providing a sense of, of how to do DevSecOps at a much more granular level, sharing stories with folks, some of the, the do's and don'ts, the pitfalls that might come if you are trying some of the experimentation that happens with DevSecOps and really kind of exposing more of the way in which to do it well. We're super excited about that in particular. You know, I just recently did a talk that's very personas based for DevSecOps. So sharing a little bit about that this year and kind of giving folks a sense of kind of what the customer back scenario is for DevSecOps so that we can make safer software sooner. Paula, you and I originally met at Does three years ago over dinner, and we've been pretty close ever since. What's your perspective on this opening session? You've got some war stories to tell, right? Oh yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. I think you know it's interesting. Uh, you know, I was uh, in attendance two years ago. Uh, I think we were rugged DevOps uh, then. And at the time, I think this wasn't really a, you know, there were people doing it, but this wasn't really a topic. It was kind of a new idea. And I really noticed um, in the last almost even couple of months that all of a sudden people are like, oh, wait, what about the security part of DevOps? <laughs> what about this DevSecOps thing? So I find like that people are really kind of um, starting to have this awareness around it more and more. And um, in my case, um, actually one of the numbers we ran recently was just in our top three largest data center contracts, we manage half a billion assets as a company, which is kind of an astonishing, and that's just, you know, hardware items, software, mm -hmm. <laughs> sort of an astonishing number of things. That's just the top three contracts that we are assets we're trying to protect. And that's a daunting scale. Um, and I think that 
uh, has really driven some of the things we as a company have been experimenting with, both on the culture side of, of how we culturally engage developers, ops, you know, the data center folks, and the you know, security team, and the business, um, as opposed to just kind of throwing it over the wall at each other. Um, and some of the technology innovations we've tried as well. So, um, so I'm very excited, and I'm excited about some of the other talks as well. Um, yeah, be out this session. It, it's going to be an exciting day to start. I'm looking forward to it. Caroline, you were on a panel with John Willis a couple months ago. That's how you and I met, and John and I looked at each other after it was over with and said, we have to know this person. Uh, we're, <laughs> we love having you in the circuit now. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to join the, the team here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I had the the really cool opportunity earlier in my career to work at a couple of companies that were doing really cool things. Um, both eBay and Zynga were online platforms where we delivered live operations 24 by 7 to millions of simultaneous users daily. Thinking about my role leading security teams at each of those organizations in the context of our DevOps conversations uh, has been a lot of fun. Shannon, as you three are putting together the format for the opening session here, what can people expect to see? What's going to be the flow of the presentation? Um, we're going to kick it off with the beginning, kind of um, framing up what the day will be like and going through and kind of identifying stories in a format that helps you understand what it's like to go from the bare basics all the way up through kind of an advanced uh, DevSecOps scenario. Super excited about it. This morning, as I was preparing to get on this call, I thought to myself, all right, well, how much do we say in the podcast versus how much do we save? So I think as, as a bit of a preview, you know, when I look at the DevSecOps manifesto, one of the things that I'm particularly interested in have been throughout my entire career and am very excited to share stories about is, is with regards to data and security science over fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Um, so really excited to, to share some, some stories and perspectives uh, on that. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm really excited about the story format as well, because I think, um, especially if you're, you know, what you're going to get in an audience with people at different places in their journey, um, sharing, you know, I'll be sharing something that happened uh, like oh, two and a half years ago with something we've been doing recently, just to sort of compare and contrast where we started and what, you know, precipitated our focus on this, you know, DevSecOps sort of mentality. And some of the things that we've done, we found some interesting insights on the way. And I think sharing that's going to be really exciting for people who are, you know, maybe not at the very beginning, but maybe they're in the middle. Maybe I hope to hear from a few people there ahead of us on things we could be doing next. So that's exciting. I think the practitioners series is such a powerful capability from a DevSecOps perspective because really it, it came from the community and, you know, we've been... Um, working through with a lot of companies now to make it become something that's part of their fabric. And it seems like it's that kind of movement that has become something from an organic um, capability all the way through to how do we really um, help our executives to understand why it's that, that important? Why is security in the middle of the DevOps process to be able to do the things that we need at speed and scale so critically important? And why is it you know, important to get to the point where software is safer and sooner in this process? I, I'm just absolutely blown away at how many people have been doing this, doing it well, really seeing the value and benefits 
Um, I just recently did a study in our organization where, you know, we've had um, greater efficiencies, you know, provable details around 50% greater increases in our ability to secure things faster and more efficiently and really kind of get ahead of the attackers. So it's, it's a great thing. Yeah, I think there's a really big difference between theory and practice, right? So Puppet's most recent state of DevOps report released in 2017 says, only 27% of surveyed organizations are currently implementing DevOps. And what that means is the vast majority of organizations who might be thinking about it, might be planning it, are still sort of in learning and figure it out phase. Uh, and, and when I've been in learning and figure it out phase in my life, you know, sort of no matter what part of my life that's in, you know, I think that theory and practice are both interesting, but practice and stories and particularly hearing about other folks, what they tried, maybe what failed, and then how they sort of turn that around. Those are the things that I'm most interested in when I'm trying to learn how to do something that maybe I haven't done before. You know, I, it's interesting, uh, you know, I, I spoke this year at the DevOps Enterprise about actually our learning program. Um, I didn't, um, I gave a tech talk at the LD DevOps, but, you know, a big piece for us was actually building confidence. You know, we've got some super high performing teams that are doing, you know, all the great state of DevOps report stuff. And then we have other teams that they're like, God, that sounds interesting, but I, I just don't know how to do it, right? I'm not ready to start. And uh, it's been interesting um, that we just restarted, you know, every uh, quarter we do our learning program, we kick it off again. And we've got about 80 folks in this session, and I was coaching uh, one of the teams, and, and the comment that came out of this uh, yesterday's meeting actually with them as they were kind of reviewing some of the material is realizing that, like, you know, it's really hard for us to be successful if we don't get everybody in the organization on board. And, and my team consists of people entirely from the infrastructure networks and security group. It's, there's not a developer representative. Actually, there's one developer on the team. It's the head of the network team. It's, well, one of the network teams. It's, you know, somebody from one of our security SOC operations uh, members and stuff reading about Agile and DevOps and realizing, like, you know, I was kind of poo-pooing this as a software thing, but now I'm starting to see why it matters that, you know, it matters for them and it matters for me that I'm part of this process because otherwise I'm the bottleneck. And I think that um, that was probably my most heartwarming moment this week <laughs> of having, you know, uh, a day-to-day -day practitioner, that line manager go, you know what, it's, it, it's important that my team help, that, help out with this. Absolutely. As we've been looking at um, more cross-collaboration across the industry and, you know, the sharing aspect of what the cloud brings to the, you know, the pot, I would say that DevSecOps has absolutely been one of the primary drivers towards getting um, security into what we're all trying to accomplish. The C-Level Suite is absolutely paying attention because they're realizing that to be able to do security well, security is everybody's responsibility. We need to have some method, some mechanism for ensuring that everybody making security decisions is doing them well. So I, I think that it's a big revolution. And I also think that it really allows for the DevOps part of this to shine. You know, ultimately that was why we at Intuit basically put security into the DevOps process was that we saw the value in DevOps and realized that security being a missing component was so much a, a missing element for our organization and putting it primary and front and center 
was a significant change in mindset because people were were realizing that they owned it essentially. It wasn't just something that they talked about and said, oh, okay, as a DevOps, I need to basically run this by the security team. It was that they're now part of the overall security culture in the organization. And it's just been a big change. Yeah, this, I mean, I think, I would say categorically, I've had a huge jump in, you know, I meet with a number of CIOs and CTOs in the federal government, and they've all been very, very focused on DevSecOps recently. That's been every single person I've met with in the last, I'd say, three, four months has brought this up. And I think one of the reasons is security just feels like it gets infinitely more complex every year. Um, I think we've moved on beyond even, you know, solving for SQL injection and, you know, basic code stuff to like every now and then, you know, our, our ISO or security team comes over to talk to me about a new vulnerability that they're tracking. And they go, so this one's interesting. And I'm always like, oh. <laughs> and they are, they're crazy. I mean, you think of some of the vulnerabilities, the one that I think just like blew my mind because it was such a like, oh my gosh, was there was one vulnerability this year that we tracked that was around, uh, it was pretty widespread around the Intel chips, right, about um, an attack at the BIOS level that was reading the cache on the chipset, you know, at this very low level. Of the, I mean, like, and, and then this is the part that blew my mind, and it could work while the machine was off. <laughs> That was the part where, like, we'll just turn it off. No, you can't even do that. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, that yeah. was the kind of challenges. Yeah, that was the kind of challenges. I mean, that took a very collaborative engagement between security, the systems engineers, and the developers to be like, how are we going to fix this? This is not a, okay, developers, go go fix your code. <laughs> you know, it, it, the kinds of challenges we're solving are complicated, difficult engineering <laughs> challenges at times, and it's not something you can do with one kind of brain. You really need a great team. So I think, um, I think that's kind of why everyone's so focused on it, is just recognizing that the security threats just get that much harder. My experience with DevSecOps has, has always been a C-suite conversation. Uh, when I joined the eBay Global Information Security Team in 2005, you know, I was working in an environment where the uptime requirement was 99.994. And we were looking at SOC security compliance. PCI had just been released in December of 2004. And then all of a sudden, because the type of business we're running is allowing strangers to transact with each other over the internet, application security becomes this huge driver. For me, several years later, you know, working on the Zynga team, we've got a business environment where, you know, we're working in the cloud, one, one of the early cloud adopters. And we've got a product that when launched in 2009 goes from zero to 10 million daily users in just a few weeks. Um, in that same general time frame, you know, the, the organization, because of a lack of security investment up until that point, you know, suffers a, a few incidents that they need to deal with, and they basically hire a team to stop the security incidents as well as to prepare uh, for an IPO. So it, so, so, so in my experience, uh, it's always started in the C-suite. When we're talking about these kinds of discussions, where does OWASP fit into this? They've got the top 10, they've got a following around the world. Does OWASP play a part in the security of software nowadays? Absolutely. I think they're a critical element of that. You know, they, they have some of the best tools out there 
um, for being able to find security defects. And um, those tools can be run, you know, in line with their build capabilities from a DevSecOps perspective. It makes it so that we can build security into software. Without OWASP, we'd, we'd actually have a big deficit in the, you know, way in which people go about securing software because um, the research that's done by practitioners throughout the world in OWASP is, uh, you know, ultimately the reason why something like DevSecOps um, can exist because there's absolutely tools out there, um, great people who are researching how to make things better and ultimately bringing that security fabric to folks that are trying to be creators and makers so that they don't have to be weighed down or bogged down by trying to do it themselves. I think there's like kind of a light bulb type question. Sometimes if I'm if I'm talking to someone about software development and security is not their thing in the way that it's kind of been my thing for a while now, you know, we'll talk about the question like what is it exactly about software that makes it so vulnerable? Uh, and I think OWASP has over the past more than a decade now done a really nice job of educating the software development community. I mean, in my mind, the OWASP top 10 is basically a, here's what not to do if you want, if you don't want to get hacked primer. Um, of course, there are, you know, there are ways to breach applications that go beyond the OWASP top 10, uh, but the list is, is an outstandingly good start. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great start, even if it's not the end all be all. And I think it's great feedback. Even if it's not, I mean, if you only, if you just stopped at OWASP, of course, that's not the only thing you need to do for security. But there's so much goodness in, you know, the OWASP tools and bringing that into your tool chain. And I, and I actually like some of the stuff just as an educational. I mean, the top 10, it's obviously by no means the only 10. But just having that kind of as a marketing campaign for my developers, these are things, you know, have your eyes open for this. Not just in the code you write, but let's be honest, developers look at old code, right? That happens all the time. You know, that when you see it, you know, if you see something, say something. I mean, I want my developers to do the same thing in the code. If they see something, I want them to fix it. And I want them to learn to see it. Uh, and that's a really, I mean, that's an important piece. And I love that OWASP is really helpful with that. Uh, because that's, you know, is that the only answer? No, but that's a huge, huge uh, part of building secure code is, you know, sort of not putting that self-inflicting wound in the first place by having some insecure code. Um, so I, I think some people say, well, it's not enough. Well, that's fine. But, it, you know, it's great at what it does. It, it's great for the tool set and the, the domain that it really helps. Just to throw in one one last comment with regards to OWASP and DevSecOps, um, I just want to say that I participated in the OWASP AppSec California conference uh, in Santa Monica last month, uh, and they actually had a whole DevSecOps track. So I, I see a lot of acknowledgement on the part of the OWASP community that this is a topic that's interesting to people, and I think OWASP provides a really fantastic platform uh, for practitioners to share their stories about what they've done in this area. I, I wanted to actually chime in to Mark on this topic because I think that, you know, OWASP is um, an absolute medium that we have to continue to embrace and, and consi uh, consistently support. I think that one of the questions that's really powerful for somebody who's a maker that needs to be asked is how many adversaries does your application have? And I think that a lot of the tools that OWASP has is about fixing the mistakes made in code. But one of the things that also has to change as we start to make this journey is that it, it truly has to have security be customer back, adversary back. 
How do we make sure that who we're solving for matters most and who we're solving for least matters least? What I mean by that is if adversaries are um, able to leverage applications, if we haven't gone through the, you know, the happy uh, path and then also eradicated the, the bad guys from our software, we're ultimately going to continue to lose. And I think that where OWASP um, has some tools that help with this is around instrumentation. But truly the thing that I think is sort of missing from the the path of trying to build security into software is that ultimately you're never going to build something perfect. So how do we ensure that uh, what we build has enough instrumentation to determine when a bad guy finds something we didn't even intend so that we can correct that mistake or make it so that we actually create a better pathway for the adversary to be dumped out of our applications faster? Yeah, you know, I would say a big trend for us is um, making teams think about insider threat as one of their adversaries. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of developers have been trained to think about outside in, oh, you know, the hackers, the you know, foreign government agents, you know, people, bad guys coming from the outside into your application. Um, asking our developers and, and the other you know folks in the tool chain, the security team and the, and the ops team, to think about the insider threat. How would your application protect from an insider threat? Uh, it's a really big trend for us because <laughs> that's just as much an adversary issue as. Uh, as as the traditional you know bad bad hacker on the outside, uh, I think that's that's a big trend. That uh, realizing that you know you got to think about all the threats, not just uh, the traditional ones. As you're talking about trends, Paula, it makes me think about what happened in 2017. As I said, I think 2018 is going to be the year of DevSecOps. I think 2017 was really the the exposure of cultural transformation. It was part of almost every major discussion that I heard in public last year. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like I said, you know, I can just look back to some of the security incidents that happened in 2017, and I think, uh, I, I think that absolutely made that part of the conversation. And I do sort of agree that the C-suite has been, um, you know, very much advocating. And I think some of that is just that at the executive level, as a CIO or a CTO in that role. Um, you own risk, and security is a huge risk that IT organizations are, are recognizing they, they really need to, to manage, and, and that's, that's why it's such a big deal. And I also think that sometimes um, when I talk to teams going through a transformation, I talk about, you know, you're going to fix this problem, and then don't get discouraged because the very next thing that's going to happen is you're going to find the next problem. Um, and that's just what happens, right? You, know, you solved uh, one constraint, and the very next one shows up. <laughs> and sometimes that's discouraging to teams because they're like, oh, we made this one thing better, and then like, oh my gosh, now we have this new frustration. But I'm like, but that's the point. That's how sort of solving you know, for a long-term problem works. If you optimize one part of a system, you will immediately find the next bottleneck. And in many cases for some organizations, they were optimizing for Agile, and they found the next bottleneck, and that was ops. And they, they you know, addressed that with some of the DevOps, you know, infrastructure automation, and other pieces in there in collaboration, and that was great. And then they were like, wait, the next bottleneck is security. And, and those are for organizations that, that left security out of that conversation to start with. And, and now they have to have that conversation. I think that's a little bit in part why it's happening, is that people have, it's the next bottleneck. 
Yeah, you know, I, I really like the way that you're sort of like framing this, Mark, you know, 2017 being the year of cultural transformation, followed by the year of DevSecOps in 2018. I mean, I think that, you know, certainly relationships and trust and having the right kind of vibes and being on the same page with regards to objectives and approach, you know, these things are really fundamental, I think. And once you've laid that foundation, you know, the next question is, so what's next? And and I'm really excited to be part of this group, uh, kicking off, you know, a day of talking about, so what's next? Shannon, one of your big things too, is the idea of data sharing. And when you're dealing with security folks, that's, that's a pain. Uh, how, how are you approaching that? I know you deal with it every day. How do you go about oh, yeah. sharing security information? Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that I've learned over my many years has been that um, it's been really hard to share information from one security organization to another. There are definitely folks doing it. Um, there's definitely ways to enrich your data through IOC sharing. Um, we've got signatures out there that folks have been leveraging from vendors throughout the years, but it truly is reactionary. Um, basically, all that information basically says that this is what a bad guy did. It doesn't necessarily um, help you with what can a bad guy do and um, where is he likely to do it? And so one of the things we've been shifting over to is really working on um, a, a course of action called Open Gradebook and leveraging things like um, Lockheed's Kill Chain and MITRE frameworks and really getting to the point where we're open to sharing um, TTPs, techniques, tactics, and procedures. And this is where, when I kind of think about being in a maker crowd, so a DevOps that's trying to create an application, instrument it up, there's information in that instrumentation that's truly valuable because we're seeing things like um, new different um, uh, scenarios where we've got campaigns and certain types of attacks that are happening. And that attack information is truly valuable because once you get the attack information, you can actually do something against it. And this is sort of how we're sharing things is attack maps. How would a bad guy do something? Um, where are we actually seeing instrumentation that supports that that's happening so that we're enriching um, what a maker sees and having them understand it sooner and really preparing that. And by sharing stuff that um, is happening before it happens, you really don't need to worry as much about sharing it because um, we're not talking about something that did happen to a company. We're talking to some uh, to something that's actually more theoretical and that may be hitting you on the front end. And now you need to be looking for it and you need to be classifying it. And that helps you to understand the adversaries that you do have and being able to categorize them. And by doing that, what, you know, what actually happens is that you can start to refine on how to get rid of the bad guys that you want to get rid of. And I think that what we've done over the years where we've actually tried to figure out how we're going to be resilient enough against the hack that happened next door doesn't necessarily prepare us for the things that are coming or the things that are specific to our organizations. That, that ultimately is where I believe that there's a benefit. And we're starting to see more and more companies that we're talking to be open to, to sharing in that way. 
And I think that this is where if we don't do it, you know, adversaries are actually, they've got a marketplace. They're sharing information daily. They're working with each other against all of the companies and customers and consumers of technology in a way that um, we should actually be looking at and admiring and leveraging. Uh, we, if we were to do the same thing, you know, there's a lot more companies out there than there are necessarily bad guys that are actually taking advantage of them. Mark, what I've observed on the part of the security community, and I think this is sort of just in line with the timing of DevOps and DevSecOps, is I've I've observed a shift in perspective with regards to how the security community looks at incidents. Ten years ago, I knew about security teams whose performance evaluations that their bonuses were based on said, if there's no security incident this quarter, you get your bonus. And I think that's so indicative of the way in which we look at things. In a pre-DevOps world where you've got a lot more on-premise data centers, a lot more isolated IT everything, then there had been this way of looking at security like keep the bad guys out. And I think that what's happening now that we've got this like totally mixed up vendor and cloud ecosystem is people are willing now to acknowledge that incidents are happening and they're happening all the time. And that completely changes the way in which security practitioners choose what activities to perform. This is changing not only the the activities that folks are performing, but the ways in which they're doing it. The whole DevOps thing of introducing chaos into a system for practice, I think is of a huge advantage to security practitioners and, and encourages this type of data sharing in a way uh, that's 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 drastically different uh, from the way that it was before. Yeah, I think one thing that I love um, actually that I think the security community has brought to the DevOps community, at least I've seen in my organization, our security teams had a long history of doing, you know, red team, blue team, uh, you know, kind of exercises where they would practice attacking, defending. And they would just practice it from a security standpoint. And the second we started exposing that to the developers and the systems engineers as well as the security people, um, we were teaching them a really good practice. And I think that was really important because it trained them not just on you know, how to fix the known problem, right, um, but how to fix the unknown. Uh, and and just that that core skill set of how to troubleshoot the the zero day, even if it's not the same one you see next week, you know, building that uh, working memory and that muscle of how to work as a team to solve for the problem you haven't imagined yet, uh, it's huge. And I think it was a really great practice that I'm so glad our our cybersecurity group, you know, helped uh, you know bring to the rest of our organization because I think it's a really excellent practice. And so. Um, as much as it's you know security people adopting DevOps or that, I think it's also some of the DevOps people adopting some of the great things that were going on in the security community before we, you know, sort of engaged more collaboratively. Paula, as you think about what we're going to be trying to do at RSAC this year with the DevSecOps Day, what are you hoping people will walk away with? What are you going to try to impart in this audience that can make a difference for them? 
I mean, I'm hoping from sharing some of the stuff through our journey that it's really a, more of an inspiration of someone to either start or improve theirs, that you're giving people ideas of where they can go. Because I think sometimes people know they, they have a problem, but they, they don't know where to go with it. Um, and, and I see that, um, I talk about you know, fight or flight, but actually freeze. <laughs> you know, people, you know, at the face of change, a lot of times people panic. They know this is a problem, but what do I do? So what I really hope is that the practitioners that you know come to this session and come to this day's uh, worth of programming, you know, walk away with, oh my gosh, I have so many ideas of things to do. I can't wait to get started. Uh, that's that's really my goal. Caroline, what about you? As you participate in this event, you've got a global audience that you're going to be talking to. What do you hope to impart? When I have an opportunity to do something like this, what I like to do, although. For logistical reasons that we don't need to go into, I won't be able to do it this time. But I like to, I like to walk through the crowd and I like to talk to people and introduce myself and ask them, why did you come to this session? Because for me, before I get up on a stage and I talk, that kind of thing can be so invigorating for me. And what I'm really hoping people will walk away with is a sense like, okay, I can relate to one of the problems that Caroline or Shannon or Paula talked about. And now I have some new ideas about how to approach it. So absolutely sort of same vision, I would say as Paula, I think if we can inspire people to try something new, try something different, then that will have been a huge win for us. Shannon, you and I have traveled the world together and you're a chameleon at every event. I never know what you're gonna show up with. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got coming this time? I'm hoping to, you know, still share very similar messaging and help people to understand, but bring a little bit of a different story every time, because every day I learn something new from the community that I'm in. It's been amazing to be able to travel the world with you and to be supported in this journey by so many people and to experience what it's like to see a lifetime's work really turn into amazing change. And I think that what I'm hoping to see people take away from this particular day that we're gonna spend together is ultimately some insights, some understanding, and really the ability to commit to trying to change their organization and their practices as well, because I truly believe that if we all do this, if we actually all really lean into putting security into software at this point, that if makers care about it and consumers care about security, that the technology that we care about so much is going to continue for generations to come. You know, it worries me every day that the things that I really take advantage of that have really helped my life are not going to be something that my kids can take advantage of. And I think that, you know, ultimately from my perspective, we're all in this together, whether we like it or not. And we need to make this um, an impactful time together. And so I'm, I'm just absolutely excited and thrilled um, to have Caroline and Paula and a lot of other practitioners out there share their war stories because it shouldn't be tough. It should be really easy for us to be able to assemble, build better things, have fewer, better suppliers. And I think on this particular event, you know, I'm excited about meeting new people as well that are bringing their own flavor to this topic and who actually have experimentation that helps all of us get better. So I'm hoping that people get enriched by it, that it truly is something that uh, they leave with that day and say, wow, I'm blown away. I really need to be doing this and getting involved in the community and helping to bring this to life.
You have been listening to OWASP 24-7 with your host, Mark Miller, and music provided by the George Cole Quintet. With support from the Nexus Community Project, supporting millions of open source developers worldwide.